Welcome back to the Don't Stop Me Now podcast, where being negative can be a good thing and being positive can turn the world against you. Welcome back. I am your host, Miss Jennifer Levon, and this is episode 92. I'm going to put on my Google this time so I can actually look things up just in case I get stuck, like I always do. Every time I do a podcast, I'm fumbling to remember somebody's name or some little detail. And uh, okay, now I have Google up. So if I have that issue again, I've got it here right in front of me. So um, going back to last week's episode, episode 91, um, or was it 90? Oh, God. I can't remember. I think it was 91. Yeah, this is 92. I just said that. Um, Sean Stockton is the singer from Boys to Men. And you know what? I thought it was B-O-Y-S and then the number two men. No, it's B-O-Y-Z. And then it's the Roman numeral two and then men. I had that all messed up when I did a story about it. I was like, boy, I, I screwed that up royally. But yeah, Sean Stockton. And um, he was the one that learned how to, how to play the guitar and he also um, um, got veneers, <laughs> and they look fabulous on him. He looks he looks really handsome with his new teeth. Um, okay, I wanted to mention that. I want to give most of the hour for this entire story because it has so much to it, and it's um, it's all fresh in my head. So I want to do it now before the the memories of it and the little details start to fade away. Um, I wanted to say that Taylor Swift is a huge big ass deal right now, and I know. Taylor Swift is a big deal. I get it. But I didn't realize she was this big of a deal. Like she's as big as Jesus. I mean, she's a big freaking deal. Um, I remember when it was announced that there were going to be tickets for her show at um, Levi Stadium in Santa Clara. And I've been kind of perusing tickets and just kind of buying things that look in- looked interesting to me. And she was about as interesting to me as Coldplay, a little bit less, but I thought, oh, maybe I'd get a ticket to go see her. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, she might be fun to see, but then I thought, I don't know. Is she kind of more country? Like, I don't know if I want to go. These are my thought processes. I had no clue as to the enormity of her concerts and how expensive her concert was going to be. I don't know what it looked like seven months ago or whatever when the tickets were first announced, but uh, I mean as of like right before the show, the cheapest tickets were over a thousand dollars. So, I mean, I don't know what I was thinking, but I was just like thinking I could tootle in there at 150 bucks a ticket maybe and get a decent, like, you know, a seat somewhere up in the top, but who really cares because everywhere you sit at these stadiums nowadays is pretty good because of the the big screens. Anyway. Um, yeah, little did I know that Taylor is, she's, monster size like she is huge and the world loves her and I can I get it I mean she's beautiful there's some stuff I haven't always liked about her I don't know there's something a little snotty about her I think I don't know there's just things in the past that have kind of rubbed me the wrong way with her but I mean in general the girl writes her own music she plays the guitar she sings and um yeah she's got the world wrapped around her little finger and I saw I've been watching some TikToks about Um, people filming, you know, their kids reactions for the first time when Taylor came out on the stage. And I will tell you that I am like crying like a baby watching these kids react with such pure emotion and tears as they're singing word for word, every song with such heart and emotion. And it's really, it's just so touching to watch. And I'm like, how did I miss this whole Taylor movement. I don't know. I just did. So I've recently downloaded a few songs. I can't believe I'm admitting it because I loved hating her. I loved being an anti-Swifty. And now I kind of, I'm kind of listening when my daughters don't know about it. I have a playlist now. I have a Swifty playlist and I'm listening to it. I can't believe it. But you know, I liked the, um, oh, I'm okay. I'm going to remind, I see, I got my Google here because I knew I would forget um, it's not Ariana Perez, by the way, that she's date that SpongeBob guy she's dating that looks exactly like her brother. That is so crazy. This kid that she's, well, he left his wife and I, apparently like a new kid, uh, for Ariana. I mean, I get him leaving his wife for Ariana. She's beautiful. Ariana Grande, but this guy that she's left or that she is left her husband for also, um, He's he's the ginger version of 
Frankie Prez, her brother, Frankie Grande, sorry, Frankie, Frankie Grande, um, Olivia Rodrigo. Anyways, Taylor, that was, what I was my point was, that's what I was looking up. Olivia Rodrigo um, and Taylor do, they have similar sounds in their music, I would say. And if I was Taylor, I might be a little annoyed that Olivia kind of sounds a little bit like her. She does, she does have some similar sounding singing and choruses a little bit, but I, th I think in general they're friends and I, I don't think Taylor has anything to worry about. But yeah, I mean, all the celebrities and everything on top of it, like the amount of um, celebrity celebrity dumb that has come out to see her at her concerts and wear her bracelets. And I mean, it's everybody. And even Taylor um, from Twilight, who had, um, I can't, you know who he is, the not Edward, the other one, um, I, you know, and they had dated at one time. They were Taylor, Taylor, Taylor squared. And uh, he came out to one of her concerts on stage with his wife and he like did this running, you know, cartwheel into a backflip. It was amazing. And um, he was there to support her. And yeah, it's like the world is there supporting Taylor Swift. And I, I think it's kind of fun to watch. So anyways, that's my two cents on Taylor Swift. Um, I'm turning into less of a hater and more of a lover. So, okay. Um, I have decided since this podcast is like, two past the one that I did about the guy in Chicago. I'm going to show you some photos of him here because I think it's like far enough away that it wouldn't be like anything he'd find. And, and I don't think I'm on his radar at all anyways, but anyways, this is him. <laughs> These are some photos of him. Um, I don't know which ones I'm showing at the moment. I'm just holding my hands like this. So I will decide later when I edit this video. So there will probably be something of him on a runway. There might be something of him like when he did his condom ad, there might be, I don't know, maybe one in his living room when I visited him, maybe one of him, um, I don't know, when we were out in Chicago that day. Probably, probably that's what you're going to see right here underneath or above my hands. Okay, so enough of that. That was him. Not giving a name, but that was him. Just wanted people to see the beautiful face. Okay, um, let's get into it. All right, I have a story. Is it, it's sort of a dating story. Um, but it's more of a, a life experience story. And um, I'm, I was a little hesitant to tell it for many reasons, and I'm not even going to get into those reasons. I think that you can all figure those reasons out for yourself. Um, I'm not sharing this for anybody to um, use it as uh, anything against me and come at me in the comments. Um, you know, I'm a grown adult and then I'm allowed to do what I want. So um, <laughs> yeah, save your judgment for Jesus. Okay, so is that, a, is that a thing? I don't know. Do we save our judgment for Jesus? But anyways, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> so if you listen, feel free to listen. But I, you know, I, I, again, I'm almost 53 and I know how to like make my own decisions, but I, I'm choosing to share this because I find it, it was fascinating. It was a fascinating experience. Okay. So let's go back. Let's go back in time here. So in December of 2021, I was on Tinder and I matched with a very heavily tattooed man who had a gorgeous physique. He had a picture of himself um, completely torso tattooed, uh, arms a little bit, but gorgeous shoulders, nice bicep, biceps, um, trim, perfect pecs. Um, I'm debating on whether I'm going to show a picture of him on here for certain reasons. So you may see a picture here. You may not. I don't know. Um, anyways, he looked hot AF. And so we matched and I was like, cool. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right on. And he was in Monterey. Um, and like I said, in this picture, if I don't end up showing it, he was just wearing like slacks and just this torso was, it's the six one perfect torso that I'm like, just I would go gaga for, but again, covered in tattoos, like the whole body. Um, and I think a little bit on the neck, can't remember. Anyway, so he includes his Instagram on his Tinder. So I go ahead and I go to his Instagram and decide to like snoop through. And this is, you know, 2021. This is more when I'm going to tell people right off the bat or right after I meet him that I have HIV. It's I'm in a different space with my not really sure how to navigate it. You know, it's different now, but, um, I, I wasn't sure, um, you know, back then really how to navigate it. So it was a lot more like upfront, maybe too soon. So I see on his Instagram that he has posted that he's really sick 
And he is a tattoo artist, by the way. And he's got lots of pictures of all the tattoos, tattoo, tattooies, all the tattoos that he's done. Um, but he's now writing about the fact that he's really, really sick and he doesn't know how much longer he has and they can't figure out what's wrong with him and yada, yada, yada. So I'm like, I'm like, wow. And the way he's describing it makes me think of AIDS. And so I'm thinking, okay, you know what? What do I have to lose? This guy looks like he might be into partying. I don't know what he's up to, right? I don't, he might have shared needles for drugs. I don't even know. He might be into, you know, orgies. I don't know. But maybe he does have HIV and he has no clue. So I decide to reach out to him and I write to him through DM. And so this is through my Instagram account, my, my HIV account. So he's going to know right away that, um, that I have HIV. So I say, Hey, I've, we've matched on Tinder. I just want to let you know that I saw your Instagram and I saw that you're sick and have you tested for HIV? He says, yes, I did. And I don't have it. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, sorry to hear that you're sick, whatever. So we continue to, he follows me and, you know, over time he's liking things that I have posted and I'm realizing, okay, obviously knows I have HIV, whatever. He's liked some stuff. That's nice. Um, and I watch his, like, he goes through a lot of changes over the next year. He ends up closing his practice in Monterey. He ends up going to Chico. Um, I'm watching him go to a lot of festivals. Um, he's making kind of very crazy kind of like, I'd say flamboyant clothing, but very like, um, you know, lots of like fur and feathers and paisley. That's why I use this background because it kind of reminds me a little bit of him, even though this is just a simple sundress. Um, things that most like, I don't know, like a guy that was maybe playing sports or something wouldn't necessarily wear. This is a, a guy of a different kind of like style for sure. That's not my typical type of guy that I date. But anyways, he's into making clothing and selling it and stuff. Okay. So he, the practice goes to Chico and then he eventually moves up to Washington, which is where he is now. But before that move to Washington, he reaches out to me in March of 2021. And he tells me that he was just diagnosed with HIV. And I'm like, and you know, we'd never met. We had only had just, you know, the sporadic like likes through like sometime I'd like, I'd like his post. Sometimes he'd like my post. We did have that short conversation about him. You know, did he ever test for it? And that was pretty much the extent of it. So, but then he reaches out to me this in March of 2020. Uh, two. So we, we met in, oh God, I'm getting the times. Okay. We met at the end of 2021. He reaches out. No, sorry. He reaches out to me this March, March of 2023, which was just, you know, I don't know, five months ago or whatever. And he says he has been diagnosed with HIV. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, this is insane. Like this is the first time that someone that I had been flirting with on Tinder or anything like had shown up with HIV. So I'm like, wow, well, he has a, you know, a woman in his life and she's also positive. So they've obviously kind of determined that he probably gave it to her. Um, he doesn't know how he got it. Um, you know, we had that conversation. We've had that conversation more. Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to push him on it. I don't think it was drugs that didn't come up and he knows that could be a reason. He also has defended me through my post that it's very unlikely for a woman to transmit it to a man. So he seems to get that he didn't get it from her. And he said that two women that he could have possibly gotten it from are both negative. So either they're not telling the truth or it happened some other way and he doesn't know how. So I said, well, there's always, you know, <laughs> with men, but I don't want to make him have to admit something he doesn't want to admit. So I don't really know, but I, he sounds like he might've done some, you know, party drugs that might push for that kind of like sexual behavior with other, the, you know, the same gender, but you know, it's not oral sex that's going to do it. It's a very specific route of transmission. And so again, I don't want to like push for that. And I don't know that he even did that, but again, there doesn't seem to be a real clear answer on how it happened. He doesn't seem to know. So I'm just letting it go, whatever. We're in the same boat. So he has it and I'm kind of watching his life as he's moving from Chico up to 
Washington and he's starting a whole new practice up there for, um, tattooing and I am yeah, whatever. I'm just kind of watching. I don't really say much more. He's come to me a couple times asking me about medication, um, asking me about like legally, what does he have to stand on if somebody is using his status against him to make him lose business? Cause that is a thing too. You know, he's very honest about um, his HIV status when he's doing tattoos. And so he said that um, he has like, you know, long in depth conversations with people um, while he's tattooing them and it comes up, he's not afraid to talk about it. He's not public through his Instagram. So that is um, one reason why I'm not saying his name or, or anything. I want to keep him uh, anonymous. But anyways, um, so he writes to me, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday, um, almost a week ago. And he says, hey, I'm going to be in Santa Cruz on Friday for the STS-9 concert up at UCSC. I thought about you. And I was like, oh, somebody had told me about this concert and asked if I knew anything about it, asked if Joey knew anything about it. I didn't know anything about it. I had no idea what it was, but it's basically, I don't know, house music. I can't explain it. It's like, it's just like music. It's not, and it's rave music, I guess. I don't know. And it goes on for about four hours. So, and I'll tell you why in a second. So anyways, he asked me um, if I'm available. So I didn't think I was. And then it turned out that I was. So then I was like, you know what? And I actually had a date that I rearranged. I made up a lie and said I wasn't available because I really did want to meet him in person. And so we're in contact the morning of as he's driving down from, uh, I think he was seeing his dad for breakfast somewhere up north and he was driving down. So he gets into town around three something. And I think we'd had a little bit of talk prior to him coming, or maybe it was as I walked in the room. I can't remember where the conversation started, but that, you know, um, oh yeah. The last time he went to one of these concerts, he had done some drugs and it was an amazing experience, you know? And so I said, laugh out loud. I had a feeling that you might, you know, talk about that. And he said, yeah, I, I've actually brought some, you know, we, we could talk about it, you know, when we meet up or whatever. So, you know, I've done the mushrooms. I'm not afraid of mushrooms or anything. They're all natural. They have psilocybin in it. That's the effect that you get. That's the site, the, um, not psychological, the psychedelic effect that you get, it's from psilocybin. And that's what's the, that's the active ingredient, you know, in mushrooms. And I know like that's, not it's natural it's not gonna hurt us or anything in fact they're using microdosing for depression and anxiety so it's got some benefits to it so you know these illegal drugs that were illegal you know cannabis is now legal you know it's like mushrooms are going to be legal so um these drugs that we used to be so you know are like so bad for you they're actually finding that there's a lot of like benefits to them so i feel a little bit differently about um drugs it's obviously not meth or um well meth is, it's the bad one, but you know, the, I, most of the other ones are pretty much not going to do anything to you. Like, you know, um, Molly, which is ec ecstasy. I, I've never done that, but you know, people do that recreationally and I don't, I've never heard of anybody having any big issues with that. So, or being addicted to it. Um, but anyways, so I, we meet up in the parking lot and he is, he's a nice six, I think he's just a little over six feet tall. We're basically the same height, but he is muscly. <laughs> he is muscly, like nice body. And I'm like, hey, nice to meet you. We go up into his room. We have lots of chit chat for about an hour or so. And we know that we probably are going to do LSD. That's what we decide on. We're going to do acid. And, but I'm nervous. I have a lot of questions about it. Like, I want to know that I'm going to be safe. I want to know that he's going to take good care of me. And, um, but I do want to have this experience because he's somebody who's done this many times and I know that he will basically take care of me. So we agree on that. And, um, so we, we drive up to UCSC early, like nobody's there yet. We're probably, I think it was around four forty-five, and the concert was going to start at seven. 30? Could it have been that early? We were at least two hours early. I think that was it, or maybe an hour and a half. Anyways, we sit and we talk in the car for a while. He smokes some weed. Um, 
he has ketamine. I did not do that. He just did a little bit. I, you know, I'm not going to do every drug he brought. I'm just going to do the one little tiny square um, of LSD. So, you know, which has been around for, I looked it up since like 1938. And as he said to me, no one's ever died from doing LSD. So, um, which I believe him. I don't think I've ever heard of that either. So, um, and one time, one time is not going to hurt me. So, and I, I've never done this. I never did it in college. I've never, never did it, you know, in my single years. And like, I'm 50, almost 53. It's like, you only live once. I want to try this, you know, and this is a perfect opportunity to do this. He's got it. He's going to be right by my side. He knows exactly what's going to happen. He can explain things or whatever as they go along. So, I feel like this is the best perfect opportunity. So we choose a time and we're in the car and we're like, all right. He's like, okay, you ready? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. So he's got, it's four little squares. He rips off two of them. So they're out of the four squares. It's one square, right? And there's four little squares attached to each other. So he rips off two squares. So he gives me one and he takes one. He says, no, just put it in your mouth. Probably keep it under your tongue, chew on it, whatever you want to do. So he says it takes about 45 minutes for it to start working. So we stay in the car and I'm chewing on this. I barely taste something. It was just like nothing was obvious. It was very, very faint. And I'm like really like thinking I'm going to notice something soon, you know, but nothing's happening. So we walk up to UCSC and I'm I'm feeling a little nervous because I'm like thinking something might happen as we're walking up and maybe I won't make it to the seats or whatever. That wasn't the case at all. So we get in line. Um, it's gorgeous up there. We, we had to walk all the way up this hill, like, and we had to go like around like part of a building. We're following signs all the way up, right? It's sunny. It's warm. It's sunny out. Um, and I have a sweatshirt on with a tank top underneath and flip flops and jeans. And he's got shorts, I believe like these kind of like, he looked good. He had like his kind of eclectic type clothing. He had a tank top that was, I want to say it was red with like gold things in it and maybe like in star shapes, like I'm sort of making that up, but you get the idea. It was not like your regular standard tank top or anything. Like he dresses a little elaborately and his shorts were kind of fancy. And he had these kind of simple, I don't know, there were some kind of high tops that he buys in this area and he didn't have socks on with them. Um, so, and he had this like coat thing that you throw over with a feather, the fur on it. it had like fake faux fur on it. And there's a lot of gold and shininess in this and like turquoise color. And he said he'd brought that for us to sit on. But anyways, he kind of wore it too. And he has like, he wears like a, I think it was a fedora. Um, so we get in line and I'm noticing the people in line are not what I'm expecting. I'm really thinking we're going to be in line with a bunch of drug addicts. And that wasn't the case at all. We're in line with a bunch of students from UCSC. Everybody looks really nerdy, honestly. And he said his friends would be there too. So there were, there was a couple and they were almost at the front of the line. He said, Oh, my friends are here. Kirsten, I think Kirsten, maybe. And I don't, Matt, maybe. Anyways, a married couple with small kids. Apparently he's a kindergarten teacher. I don't know what she does. Like, who knows? But anyways, nine to five job. And they're up in the front. They have already taken their drugs. So they were taking, he gave it like, I feel like he called it something with, it was like all numbers, like C something with like numbers. I, on, I can't remember. And I don't know if it's the same thing as LSD. I'm not even sure, but they had taken it like a half an hour before they got in line. And they're like this jovial couple, like they're super nice, you know, and they just go to these shows to like let loose basically and you know do this drug or whatever drug they pick and you know have a good time so we get inside we find our seats it's a you know like a um outside it it's an uh like a theater type you know but it's you're sitting on either wood or dirt it's not like there's seats anywhere this is a different kind of event they're not going to put chairs because people are going to be dancing and tripping basically so if you're if you're going to the show you are on something. There is nobody there that isn't on something except for security and people working the water and stuff like that. And like the people that are there at the, 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 there's a, um, Red Cross station. Right. And I even looked at that and I said, I hope I don't have to go in there. Right. I mean, I've already had this in my system for 25 minutes at this point. I'm looking at the Red Cross station going, God, please don't let me end up being in there. So we get inside. We we're he got us premium seating, which is down in the front, which actually did not matter in the long run. You could have been anywhere in there, and it would not have mattered. But we're down in the very bottom. Some 
woman brought her kids. They're playing with a beach ball and that keeps getting kicked right over by us. A lot of dust keeps getting kicked up. So we kind of moved to a different area, still waiting for it to kick in. He kind of says he thinks he might feel something, but he's not sure. And then, you know, we're looking up and there's like this grove of trees. So you're looking up at the blue sky and all the trees. And I'm sort of waiting for this effect to happen, but nothing's quite happened yet. And then he says, um, I'm sitting there next to him. We've talked to his friends a little bit. We've talked to a couple other people. And then we just decided to sit down. And um, he even has kind of flirted with me and said, you know, I hope that you'll snuggle with me, you know, when everything kicks in or whatever. And I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> whatever. Like, because I, I didn't really know how I felt, you know, until, but I had a feeling, you know, looking at his arms and I think he's cute too. And I just had a feeling like, yeah, I'll probably be affectionate with you once this happens, but I don't know how it's going to make me feel. So I can't like, you know, confidently say that that's going to happen, but I had a feeling I'd cling to him once everything started to happen. So we're sitting together, he's sitting behind me and he's kind of got his arm around my side and he's touching me and I'm not really caring and I'm looking over at the security guard and I kind of keep eyeballing this um, this young security guard and like going, does he know that we're all getting fucked up right now? He's got to know, you know, and this guy keeps kind of going on his phone and I'm starting to realize that he's not looking like reality anymore. The security guard, something's looking weird to me about him. And then I realize I'm holding on to my date's arm. Like I'm holding it like this. If you see on YouTube, I've got both my hands wrapped around his bicep and this lady walks by and she goes, hold on for dear life. And I said, I know I am. And I literally was because it did start to happen. It started to work. And once it hit, it was happening pretty quickly. And, um, I was feeling the effects of it. Like we were both were at the same time. It was like, oh my God, it's starting to happen. So the music, they announced the people are there and I'm kind of like losing track of what's really going on. Like, are oh, they're there, the music. Like, I don't even know what's going on. It's gotten darker at this point. There's lights going the whole time. The music's pulsing and I'm getting lost. And because he turned my head at one point and started kissing me. And then, then I was like, I was gone. Like I was seeing crazy stuff. I was, the sensations were insane. And I know that everyone talks about this, but the touch is amplified times a thousand. I mean, I started touching his skin and his legs. And by the way, he has the silkiest, like the silkiest skin. I mean, he, he has, he's hairless and he doesn't shave, but he just, um, he's German. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but he has like the silkiest, softest skin. So I felt like my fingers were like leaving imprints in his skin because it was so soft and it felt so nice and he's his muscles felt amazing so I'm feeling his arms and and we're kissing and then we sat like that for a while and uh it just felt uncomfortable to like lean back so I was like we got to stand up but I was like losing my balance and I remembered when I went up there I needed to remember my phone in my pocket, my key, I took my key off my keychain. I had that in my front pocket and my chapstick. Those are the three things I needed to remember. And I tell you in the midst of this thing working strongly, it's, you're almost at a point that you can't even manage to remember those three things. It's like you're in another world and, um, you, yeah, you're seeing like things like almost don't look real. Like some people would walk by and I would think, are those NPCs? Is that like a is that a real person? Like, what am I looking at? And it was just some lady walking by looking serious, but it looked bizarre in the grand scheme of things because everything was funny and weird. And yeah, everything was moving. I looked at my phone and the, the buttons or the buttons, the apps on my phone were absolutely floating off the screen and moving around. I could not it took so much concentration to use my phone. I wanted to um, voice memo two of my friends, my friend Keith from high school and my friend Kira in New York, to tell them that it had taken effect. Kira has done um, LSD a million times at dead shows. So she was like sending me gifts that said push the gift and it was like a daisy spinning, you know, an, an endless spinning thing or like um, some kind of like tie dye thing that's like spinning or whatever. And so it was cracking me up. She was sending me those and I literally could barely even like function well enough to get my phone to open up WhatsApp to push on those things, but I did. And I, I have some messages from her and I, you know, or that I had left her and Keith. And I just said, I am so effed up right now. Oh my God. So you feel amazing. Your serotonin is obviously affected by this as well, but you're also hallucinating. And, um, but it was fun. It wasn't scary. It didn't scare me or anything. It was all really funny 
and amazing. And again, the touching part of it um, that's amplified so strongly is unreal. And I, I can't imagine doing this by myself and just dancing by myself because I look at the crowd who all seem to be one unit, but they're not. They're obviously lots of different people, but they're all like, again, these are like nerds, like incels. Like they're all like UCSC, UCSC, like mathematicians. Like they're all by themselves or they're, they're bouncing around and dancing and by themselves, a lot of dancing alone where I just want to touch him and I don't want to let go. And so we're face to face at this point. I mean, it took everything, like I said, to leave a message for my friend Kira and one for Keith and laugh, I'm laughing my head off. And I am, um, I get a message from my son and he's, he was getting a ride home from football practice. And he says in the message, I, all I see is the word hello with a question mark, meaning he's already tried to contact me and I had not answered yet. And I was like, oh my God, like I have to concentrate really, really hard right now and try to like open up my text message and figure out what he wrote to me. And he basically said something about, did you leave the slider unlocked for me? And then I guess I hadn't answered that. So he put hello. Oh my God. So that's the last thing I want him to know what I'm up to. So I am able to write back. Yes. I left the slider unlocked for you. Like, I think that's all I wrote. And then I like sent it and put my phone in my pocket. I couldn't even feel my phone in my pocket. Like part, you almost feel a little numb too. So then I'm back into it and we are, we're, we're waist to waist for sure. And we're kind of dancing and stuff, but we're kissing and I'm like licking his neck and it feels amazing. I'm, he's got like, he had had the, um, the, uh, gauges in his ear, but obviously not anymore. So he's got a bit of a bigger, like a hole in his ear, not a big gaping hole, but he has a hole where I'm playing with it with my tongue and it feels amazing. The kissing was unreal. Um, I'm chewing on his beard on the group, you know, the little pieces of his beard, just with my teeth. Like, I mean, I could not get enough of it. And then at one point we're probably an hour or so into our like trip and we are really enjoying each other. Like we've got our hands all over each other. He's feeling all underneath my shirt and down my pants. And you know, he's, he's got a total boner, which is kind of interesting because although I felt very sexual with my hands in my mouth, I didn't, I felt numb from the waist down, but I know because when, you know, you're a girl and, you know, you're excited, you know, there's a difference, right? So I, I knew there was, I knew I was excited. So I said, um, you know, I can't, like, I don't know if I peed my pants, like, but I'm like, I know I'm turned on, but like, I don't even like, I'm kind of unaware of what's going on down there, but obviously I am. So anyways, that was kind of funny because I was <laughs> like, what's happening? How is this all happening? Because I'm not really connected with that part of my body at the moment. Um, just way more like upper, like hands and face and all of that neck and all that. So, um, I don't want to forget any of the details. So we're, um, we're kissing. Oh, it's funny. If one little hair got in my mouth, sometimes those little hairs from his furry thing, what, like one tiny hair would get in my mouth, but it felt like it was the size of a tree trunk. And I'd be like, ah, like I could barely even find it. I felt so like, you know, like dumb, you know, speaking of, I'll tell you a funny story about being dumb. So I could not, I couldn't find the hair. It was like, or you'd kiss and one of my hairs would be like in the way. And it would feel like, again, like a tree trunk. It's like, oh my God, I got to get this hair, but you're so messed up. You kind of don't care. And he had a necklace hanging with a big, um, crystal hanging from it. And it kept getting pushed between the two of us. And it's like, what is that <laughs> uncomfortable thing? Like, it's like my brain knew what it was, but I was so high that I could, I could barely have the thought process to take it and like move it. So it just stayed, even though it was kind of bothering me, but I could not make myself actually take it and move it. So it just left it. Um, so yeah, there, okay. So the crystal thing. Okay. Yeah. So somebody, I, I look over and there's this guy and he's walking towards us like, oh, like this, like he knows we're messed up. He's probably messed up too, but maybe not. I don't even know. So he hands us this sticker with two men on it. One's dressed in white, one's dressed in orange. I can't make out what it is, but we're laughing at it. And he, he'd handed us this. We're both looking at it over our shoulder. And he's like behind me looking over my shoulder. We're both holding it and we can't stop laughing. And I'm like touching it and 
rubbing it. He goes, when you're done with that, can I have it? Because it is amazing. I said, it is amazing. I can't, I need to touch it too. So um, anyways, he takes it and he's touching it. He ends up putting it in his pocket. The next day we realize it was Dumb and Dumber. It's literally Jim Carrey and the other guy from the movie from Dumb and Dumber. It's so funny. So I'm going to put that here too, so you guys can see. So that was hysterical because in the moment, I didn't get the joke was on us because obviously we're dumb and dumber. Everybody there was dumb and dumber, like literally everybody. Um, so that was that was funny. And then I remember this one moment where he was behind me, had his arms wrapped around me and I had my fingers intertwined. I had like, we were like this, right? So I'm looking at, I'm on YouTube, I'm showing, I'm looking at our hands like this, but all I can see for some reason is his nail beds. And my fingers seem to be like, like that. Like I can't see, I can't see my fingers and I'm, I'm looking at all of his fingers and his hands are so meaty and handsome. He's got such handsome hands and he's got like tattoos on his hands and, um, and they just felt so strong in my fingers. And I, all I could see is his nail beds and I can't find my fingers. And I just was like, it's funny cause I could hardly articulate to him how funny it is that I don't see my fingers, but I see his and everything looks weird, <laughs> but it was, everything was funny and it was all okay, you know? And so, um, at one, oh yeah. Okay. So we're, we're getting more and more comfortable as the music's going now. We're probably two and a half hours into this. I don't even know. We've been so connected the whole time. We're, I'm lifting my shirt up. I want to be touching his skin. So, cause he has his tank top off at this point, his, um, Oh, his skin again is so soft, so nice. And it felt amazing um, because of this. I mean, he felt amazing anyways, but this drug heightened it even more. So we're skin to skin. I've got my tank top up and my bra is basically, well, it's, it's this one. So, I mean, it looks like a, a jog bra. I mean, but it's from Target, but it looks like a jog bra. So I'm thinking that's fine. I can have that up. Who cares? And we're like chest to chest. And I'm like, you know, I even said at one point, does everybody see like, look at, we look freaking good. Like, look at us. God damn. You know? And, and, um, you know, and I, I whispered or yelled in his ear at one point, you know what I can't give you, I can't give you HIV. You know, it was like kind of this free feeling like, yeah, you got it too. You know? And then at some point I just took my bra and lifted it up and we are titty to titty. And I have to tell you, we, our boobs look so nice together. Like I couldn't, I still, I wish I had a picture of it. I couldn't manage to take my camera and get a, a nice picture, but he has nice pecs. He has little tiny nipples and he's got the tattoos and my bare chest next to his tattooed chest. I, it looked freaking amazing. And I was like, I kept like, and we're like, we were doing that for a long time, just rubbing our bodies up against each other. And it's like, nobody cared. I kind of felt in a way like we were on display and everybody could see us. And sometimes he'd put his jacket over us or he'd just hug me and I'd have my face in his neck. And I was just in this world of him only. And I felt completely enveloped by him, but also felt like maybe people could see us. But then when I would open my eyes and look around, nobody was watching. Everybody was just doing their own thing. Nobody had, uh, had any, had a care in the world about us. So, um, anyways, at one point, um, I found his nipple through, he had put his tank top back on because it got a kind of cold and I touched it over the top of this like sort of silky top that he had on. And I, it felt like a little pebble. I like grabbed onto both of them and I could not get enough of touching them. They felt um, amazing. I mean, I got to think of a better word. I like, it was unreal. Like they, they were the most important thing at that moment. And I wasn't letting go. I needed to hold on for dear life to these perfect nipples. And he, of course, of course he didn't care. So this is, again, this is all part of just what it does to you. And it's, it's also crazy that you're thinking so kooky in that moment that you need to hold on to someone's nipples and it, it's, it feels so good. So, um, and they're not even mine. Right. So, okay. So, we're checking the clock. It's like 9.30. And he says at some point that maybe we should start to move over by his friends. So this is a big deal for us to like start taking some steps away from where we are. We we haven't moved from the same spot in like three hours. And like just to turn around and pick up our death water and try to find that and then walk 
you know, it's like, this is the first time we're going to try walking now. So we do find us friends. We stay there for a little while longer. We're still all wrapped up together. And then we finally decide to walk up to the top of the venue because now it's like 1030. So another hour had transpired in that time. We get up to the top and the thing's going to end at 11. And by now my toes are really cold. It's gotten really, really foggy. And my hair, I can already tell because at one point I turned the camera around to look at us to see what we look like. I look like death. I looked so bad. I did not want to see what I look like. And every time I looked up at him or kind of glanced up at him, because I was always looking down at his chest, he's looking at me like with kind of like, like always like smiling and like his, his eyes were kind of puffy and I didn't want him to like get the full visual of what I look like because I thought my hair probably looked atrocious. I thought I probably looked like a crack whore. And so I never really wanted to look directly at him and I was always feeling a little, a little insecure. But most of the time this, these, you know, LSD uh, does not make you feel anything. It makes you feel anything but insecure. But I did feel a little bit, I was aware of my hair looking like shit. Um, and I had just curled it that day. So it wasn't, you know, the, the frizz was on. So I just wanted my hood on over my head. So we are going to start walking back to the car. We just are ready to go because we're cold. I want to turn the heat on in my car. Um, my little, my, my sweatshirt's almost like a cropped sweatshirt. So it's not <laughs> covering me enough. It's a zip up one. And um, so we, we start, we leave and we're following some people out, but like everyone's kind of quiet and people live there on campus. So we don't, we're all of a sudden realize we're going down the street and this one couple tell us that, yeah, the cars are down that way. So we start walking down the street and we realize no one is going this way. And it looks like it's just some lone road up at UCSC with no lights on it and big trees everywhere. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't know where we're going. Like uh, this does not look right at all. And now I have this thought in my head that we're going to get lost up here tonight. We're never going to find my car. And we're going to be walking around this place all night long. I'm going to freeze to death. So we decide to turn around and go back. We tell that couple that was definitely not the right way. And the guy's all, bro, I'm so sorry. Like, did I, I totally gave you guys the wrong directions. I have no idea where I'm at. I, I definitely shouldn't have given you directions because I don't even know where I'm at right now. So that was, yeah, everybody was basically, again, the blind leading the blind. So we go back up to where we had just come out of the venue and we realized we had gone the wrong way, but we're walking down. Now it's nighttime. It's super foggy and we're going the opposite direction down and it's things are the opposite, right? If they were on the left coming up, now they're on the right. And I know that sounds real logical and easy, but not when you're still having LSD affecting you. Everything's super confusing. So, and there's no signs saying this is the way to the parking lot. There was only signs going up saying this is the way to the quarry. So we are, there's some people going that way, but I'm still not totally convinced. And every time we take a step, I feel like the lights that we're looking at in the distance go a step further away. I feel like nothing's getting closer. Everything feels like it's getting further away. So we finally get to this one part where it's like a super steep hill. And I, that was the the first hill that we'd come up leaving the parking lot. And I, he said, this is that hill, remember? And I mean, we were clinging to each other as we were like trying to get down to the car. And I said, oh my God, this is it. Thank, I've never been happier to be like that close to my car. I'm like, thank God we found it. So we do, we find the car, we turn it on. We, he actually got sick. He jumped um, out and like he felt sick and he, I think he threw up on the side of my car. I'm not, I mean, it sounded like he was coughing really hard and maybe retching, but um, that didn't happen to me just then. So we we wait in the car for a good while. I want to say over an hour and a half. And um, we were very, you know, we were, it was worn off. I'd say we, it was probably seven hours later since we took it. So it was, it had been worn off at that point enough. Like where I was fine. I could drive. So I drove, it was only a five minute drive back to the hotel room. So we got to the hotel room back where he was staying and I'm freezing. I just want to, uh, he got, he hopped in the shower right away, but I didn't, he goes, come on in or whatever. And I'm like, I just hopped in the bed in my clothes. I like, didn't want to get in the shower and get my hair wet. I just wanted to go to sleep. And then, um, I realized that, um, I was like, I just wanted to No, let's see. Let's see. He got out of the shower. He got my clothes off. That was it. And, um, of course, of course we, did it because yeah, we both have HIV. Like who cares? Like, right. There's nothing to worry about. And so, um, I mean, obviously there could be another STI or whatever, but that's something I'll deal with later if that happens, but you know, we're not going to get the ones that you can't get rid of. So we, um, um, 
we uh, do that and that's all good and fun, but I'm really out of it to tell you the truth. I'm not that into it. I was like just needing to pee. And so when it was, he was done or whatever, I like decide to go to the bathroom and I pee forever. And then I hop in the bath and I put on the hot water. And it was like one of those where you feel like you need to defrost for like literally 20 minutes. Like I'm like, yeah, I'm coming back. I promise. I'm coming back. I promise. But like, I didn't want to get out of the bath because it felt so good. So I get back into bed and I'm, his body's like, like, uh, it's like, hand candy for my hand. I cannot stop rubbing his, I'm behind him. I'm big spooning him or whatever. I'm just laying behind him. And I'm like, you know, grabbing his shoulder and his bicep and his, oh my God, his side and his back. And oh my God, the muscle that runs in his hip. It's like, it's, there's a ledge on it. Oh, oh my God. Amazing. And he, you know, I know he's had some time and jail or prison. I don't know. Like I asked him like, when did you get this freaking body? Like Jesus. Cause I know he doesn't do anything to work out. These are just muscles that are left over from a time when he used to work out. Um, and I don't know. I don't know where they came from. He didn't make it sound like he ever worked out that much. I'm like, dude, your shoulders are so round. Like they, they stand out, you know, like how does that just happen without you trying? So, which is also really hot that somebody isn't like, you know, flexing or talking about how much they work out or anything. He like, it was such a non-topic for him. It was like, it's almost like he's oblivious to his amazing muscles. Like I, that is so hot to me. So anyways, I, um, I am just, yeah, I can't get enough of just touching him from like shoulder to down to his bum, you know, over and over and over again. And, um, he finally falls asleep and, I try to sleep, but I can't. And so it's like almost four in the morning and I haven't fallen asleep yet. And I realize I need to just go. And I, so I tell him, you know what, don't be mad, but I need to go. And I don't like waking up with somebody that I don't know that well either. I just would, I want to avoid that whole thing anyway. So, um, I give him a kiss on the side of the head and I say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go. And so I drive home and it's so foggy up at this one part of, um, the freeway, it's up on a hill that I swear the visibility was down to like 20 feet. I drove so slow. I didn't see a car behind me or in front of me or anything, but I couldn't see anything. There was like, it was so thick and you could see it all moving. I felt like I was driving in a, in a cloud. Um, it was really scary. So I finally got home and, um, I didn't realize it, but I really needed to go to the bathroom. And that was maybe like, I didn't have like runny anything, but I needed to go. It was like somehow, I thought it was completely cleared out from the day before, but I guess not. I don't know, but I needed to go. And like, that is probably what was keeping me awake. So I laid in bed for like another 45 minutes and I felt like I was going to throw up. Like then it hit me. I felt really nauseated and I thought, do I get up and go stick my finger down my throat or I just keep laying here and try to sleep? Like, what should I do? What should I do? So for like 45 minutes, this is what was going through my head. Like, how do I handle this um, nauseous feeling? I thought is it's either going to get worse or it's going to go away. And so all of a sudden I wake up and it's 1030. So I did fall asleep at some point and woke up and, um, and I felt good. I felt like pretty fine actually. And then, um, I did take a nap later that day for about an hour and a half. Um, and then that was it. It was over. And, um, I have to say, um, it was, it was a good experience. And I wrote to him later and I said, you know, I have to tell you, you're the first guy I've ever been with since I was diagnosed that has HIV. Like you're the first one. I said, there's something like really comforting in that. And he said, he said, thank you so much for sharing that with me. I, I totally get what you mean in a weird way. He goes like, I share it with the people that I've been with. He goes, but there's an extra layer of protection now, you know, he's, I mean, they won't have sex with him without condoms because they don't, they fear it still, even though he's undetectable. And he said, you know, um, you know, it's different. It doesn't feel as free with other people. He goes, so, um, yeah, it was, it was nice. And I mean, I would definitely hang out with him again and probably be, you know, naked with him again at some point if he wanted to, because it's like, there's like this, we're in the same boat. We share the same thing. And there's something about being with somebody who, knows exactly how it feels, you know, and it's really ironic that when we first met, I, I was the only one on the side of the boat. And oh, he did share with me that, uh, I think it was after 
I can't remember when he told me if it was before the concert or after, but he said, I have to tell you when you matched with me and I saw that you had had HIV, he played, he, it's funny because before he was ever diagnosed, he acted like he didn't remember when we matched on Tinder. He acted like he didn't remember how we'd met, but he does know. He just didn't want me to know. So he admitted to me in the hotel room, again, I can't remember if it was before the concert or after, but he said, I knew that I wouldn't go out with you because... Uh, oh, it was before the concert. He goes, I knew that I wouldn't go out with you when I saw that you had HIV because you had HIV. He goes, like, I hate to say it. He goes, but this has made me a better person getting this diagnosis. He goes, it really has humbled me. It makes me think of things differently. You know, it makes me look at life differently. He goes, it's been nothing but a blessing to me, honestly. And so, um, you know, and I do hear that from a lot of people that it, it does knock you down a little bit, but it also like helps you see life in a different way and see people in a different way because you're no longer the mighty shit. You have to deal with some shit now. And, um, it makes you, your perspective different on humanity really. So, um, yeah, it was interesting to hear that he had avoided me. And another interesting thing is that the girl that he had been with who got it from him, I guess he had told her about my Instagram and that you should follow this girl, Jen, you know, he told her about me and I don't know how much she knew about me or how we'd met or anything. But I, when he had told me that they'd both become positive and he told me about her as well, I had looked up her account and she was not following me. So I thought, huh, that's weird. And I found out she's going with a, a natural approach to HIV. She doesn't believe in Western medicine, so she won't take the medication. And it's really, I'm sorry to hear that. And I know like he's, he's trying to talk to her and her doctor's trying to talk to her and everything, but she won't do it. She's a bit of a a hippie flower child and she's doesn't, doesn't want to go Western medicine route. So anyway, um, I guess she had told him at some point, he shared this with me that she said, um, well, now you can go fuck that girl with HIV now that you have it. (laughs) Well, (laughs) ah, he did. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, it happened. And I could see why, I guess I'd be, if I were her, I would have felt the same way. Cause yeah, you sort of feel like you're all going to gravitate, gravitate towards each other because there's this commonality now. So, Anyway, I don't think she'll ever hear this. I doubt it. So anyway, yeah, like I said, she doesn't follow me. Um, But that's it. That's my experience with um, LSD, dropping acid. Um, I I don't know. What can I say? I would probably do it again under the right circumstances. Um, Has to be where I know I'm free of any kind of messages or anybody needing me for like at least five or six hours, which is so rare. So it would, yeah, it'd have to be something special like that. And it'd have to be with the the right person too. I don't want to do it with somebody who's ugly. I don't want to do it with somebody who's cute, who I like, who I want to touch. Cause that is most of the experience for me is that sensual part of it. And, um, I would not want to just do it with a friend or a girlfriend or my kids. I mean, I want to, I want to get the full experience with somebody with the kissing and all of that. Cause it's just, uh, it's amazing. So anyways, that's it. I'm going to wrap this up. I'm glad I got this uh, story out and, um, yeah, be responsible. You know, if you decide to try this, you know, maybe do a little research first or make sure you're with somebody that you trust and that you're in a safe place and, and you're in a safe headspace. but I don't think it's the worst thing in the world by any means. And I'm glad I did it. So, and, and that's what I'm ending with. Okay, guys, (laughs) have a good one. I hope I haven't lost any viewers. See you guys next time. Bye. Love you all. Bye-bye. If you'd like to be notified for any of my upcoming podcasts, be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to help this girl out, then please rate, review, and share my show. Thanks, guys.